Welcome to Israel from the Inside, where we try to break out of the echo chamber, surfacing the wide array of often conflicting viewpoints that make up the mosaic of Israeli life. I'm Daniel Gordas of Shalem College in Jerusalem. Go to danielgordas.substack.com where you can subscribe to these podcasts and join our community of listeners and readers, access the archive of all these episodes, and post comments, interacting with others who share your interest in Zionism, Israel, and the future of the Jewish state. The protests that have taken over Israel in recent weeks and months are very often in the news as a mass of people. But of course, behind the masses of people are individual women and men who are taking huge chunks of their lives. Now, normally, they would be devoting them to family and to work and to writing and to research, whatever they might happen to be doing. Um, and they are taking that time and they are devoting it to making these protests happen. They are part of a large movement of very devoted people. And I thought it would be important at this particularly critical week in Israel, when the second and third readings of the first major piece of legislation that may go through are going to come up next week, to speak to someone who was actually one of the main uh, forces behind one set of the protests, which are the protests in Jerusalem, where I live, and the protests that I happen to be attending. Uh, so I have the pleasure of speaking today with Professor Michal, Michal Mushkat Barkan, who is a professor of Jewish education at Hebrew Union College. She is the director of the Department of Education and Professional Development at HUC JIR in Jerusalem. Her fields of research include teachers' professional development, teacher ideologies, multicultural teacher training, and pluralism in Jewish education, all of which would be fascinating, actually, to talk about some other time. Uh, but we're here not to talk about research education. We're here to talk about the protests. Uh, and Professor Muscat Barkhan has been intimately involved and deeply involved in, in organizing these protests and so forth. So we're going to hear from her what this is all about. So, Michal, if I can be allowed to call you Michal, thank you for taking the time. And uh, I know you and uh, your spouse just got back from being abroad, so that's probably both a cleansing but also a very hard time to be away, I'm guessing. And now you're back, and you're back, and we are in this critical moment right before the potentially passing of the first bundle of laws about this and you are in the thick of it. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and then how it was that you ended up finding yourself in the core, at the helm, in the center of these protests. Thank you. Uh, actually, I feel that this ha more than half a year I've been kind of running and uh, it's, it, it will be interesting to stop for a little and reflect about what we've been doing uh, during this uh, time. So, as you said, my name is Michal Mushkat Barkan. I'm a professor of Jewish education. And uh, most of my career, I'm dealing with um, uh, theory and practice of education, specifically of Jewish education, specifically of Jewish education in Israel. So I'm aware of the um, 
uh, I would say the, um, the burning differences and ideologies in uh, visioning what should be and how uh, we should live our Jewish life in Israel. And uh, in recent years, I've been dealing also with uh, what we call shared education, which means not only to look at the, the differences and uh, various uh, groups in the Jewish uh, um, population, but also to look at, uh, at the Arab population, which share with us this country and lives here. So we need to think how can we integrate all the differences and all the, the, the various groups that lives here to, to vision uh, the future of Israel. But while I was really busy on influencing Jewish education in Israel, uh, even I was part of creating a national curriculum for Jewish education in the state system, uh, I didn't notice how much far are we from educating for democracy. I was assuming that this is kind of uh, agreed. When you say that we were far, is it all of Israel? Is it secular and religious? Is it certain parts of religious? Who's the we that's not educating for democracy? That's a very good question. I think, uh, I think that me and many of my, you know, my kids, where they are educated and they are educated in, in religious schools, uh, but also my friends and I'm working with a secular uh, educational system and with many people, we, we never talked about democracy. I think uh, it was kind of, um, you know, we assumed that this is the way we live and in democracy, you know, thinking of pluralism, which I teach as a value, pluralism is, is the heart of democracy. We need Pluralism. We need each of us to have the, her or his own voice to be able to influence democracy, to be able to fight on our ideas and thinking how can this be related with Jewish life. This was my main, um, my main uh, intention and attention. This was what I was researching and what I was working with my MA students. And uh, so I assumed that democracy is, you know, the best way to, uh, to lead this country. So when I say we, <laughs> I'm talking about basically myself and people that I'm working with. But um, I see, and, and what I was noticing after this election and after trying to, to create a revolution in, in, uh, in the... Um, uh, laws of uh, oh, judicial whole, laws and the whole, and the whole the status whole, of the government. Yeah, the government, the government. So I noticed that um, that lots of of people uh, believe that democracy or what they call liberal democracy isn't the best way to to lead this country. That what we agreed to have a Jewish and democracy state is not what they're dreaming of. So when you talk about that, I mean, I want to come back to your role in yeah. a minute, but you're, you're in touch with people, friends, family, colleagues, whatever, mm -hmm. um, who live in all different places. Some of them are, are deep into the very religious world. So what you're saying now is that it's not that they say, well, we're going to pass these laws, but it's not going to 
injure the democracy. What you're saying that they're saying, if I understand you, is no, we actually don't want this to be a liberal democracy. We want this to be something else. Is that, am I, I understanding you I'm, correctly? I'm afraid that this is what I'm hearing. And what, what's that something else? Even if they so, don't articulate it, what do you think it you is? You know, people are, I'm a religious person. Right. But I don't think, and I live according to the halakha, but I don't think that halakha should be the way that we lead in, in an entire country that has lots of people who does not uh, live their lives according to the halakha and Arab people, who, who, why shouldn't they? And also we are part of a... You know, the world, we need to be a country with the greed rules and uh, separation of, of uh, religion, religion and state. And and state, state. And, uh, yeah, so. so you think the people on the right who are in favor of these protests, of these laws that you've been talking to, they actually want some sort of religious state? Some of their leaders, this is what they say. And right, I don't want to do think and, about and the actual also, people that you know on the street. Wait, and also, I don't want to say that these are people on the right. Because I, now in the pro- protest, I see lots of people that are in the right wing politically. And you're very right. This and, is not uh, right left. Not this right is not left. religious secular. Yeah. This is not even Mizraski asking anymore. This is not what I want to say. I want to say that. It's pro-reform and anti-reform. Bidiuk. This is what I'm thinking. Exactly. Right. So so pe- I'm starting to hear when they say, okay, democracy is right, but not liberal liberal democracy. And, and I'm not sure what do they mean not liberal democracy. Right, what's in a liberal say, democracy? The, How is it dem- democratic? So I think that one really um, contradiction that is in behind this is the, the contradiction between liberals and, I don't know if I want to say conservatives. Because you have a lot of conservatives here who are opposed to the reform sure. also. Sure, so, but I want to say I hear a resistance to liberalism. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing a, a huge resistance towards the values of liberalism. And I feel, and I'm also cri- critique about some aspects of liberalism. I feel, and we can talk about that a lot, and it affected my work in, in, in my research and my work as, as uh, educating in, in uh, higher education. And I feel that pluralism and liberalism... Uh, took a lead towards a very um, selfish, uh, atomistic uh, way of life and very... Um, <laughs> oh, sort of a, a loneness. Loneness or, um, and, right. and self-centered education, which I, I feel it took, it, it took a wrong direction with, with these ideas. So I feel that the resistance towards many of the values of liberalism is part of what's now behind this revolution. A kind of a return and to community. Return, or return to community, to, the, to family, to kind of, you know, right, I, of right. course. But, but I feel that when, you know, now that I'm so afraid of this revolution and it's, uh, the, I would say, almost um, the violent revolution, the way that I feel that it's so... Uh, um, full with um, hatred and uh, uh, that try to create, uh, to tell about 
those who are uh, in a resistance to this uh, anarchist. as anarchists, as people who hate the country, who don't have any values of uh, family, of community. I feel that comes also from being afraid of liberalism. Mm-hmm. So when they say uh, liberal, uh, liberal democracy, I, I think that they're talking about liberalism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and well, look, liberalism is on the defense all across the world. Yes. I mean, you can look yes. at Poland and Hungary, mm-hmm. which we talk about here a lot, because they crossed the threshold and are no longer liberal democracies. Yes. But you can see the attack on liberalism in America yeah. also. Yeah. There's a very interesting book called Why Liberalism Failed by Patrick Deneen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's many books like that. Yeah. And there's yeah. a whole literature now among yes. political scientists. And it's clear that liberalism is on the retreat in a lot of places throughout the world, and so this needs to be understood to a certain extent in that larger context. But let's go back to you. Okay. So you live in Jerusalem, you're married, you have a bunch of kids, they're grown, grown yes. kids, but a bunch mm-hmm. of kids, <laughs> and you got a very busy research agenda, yes. and you've got a busy life, Yeah. and all of a sudden you find yourself being one of the people who is behind the protests in yes. Jerusalem, which is a huge organizational project. Yeah. They don't just happen. Yeah. I mean, I, when I show up Saturday night, it's very yeah. clear. You know, yeah. there's a plan, and there yeah. are speakers, yeah. and there are gigantic screens, yes. and there's a stage, and there's it's a whole thing. Like yeah. somebody has put together, you know, like a different wedding every Saturday night, right? <laughs> You're right. So um, how does that happen? How does a woman go from being, yeah. uh, you know, a private citizen teaching in higher education to being one of the people behind the protest. What's the? How did this happen to you? Did, so, after the elections, November first. November first. I said to myself, "Oh my God, it seems as this coalition is gonna have lots of power." Uh, and I said, "Okay, so that's the coalition. They should do what they should do. I have to listen to them because I'm pluralistic." And, and I they said, were elected. Hey, okay, they were elected. That's fine. And then they started saying that. It's not right and wing thing. It's not religious and secular thing. But they're gonna change the entire way of democracy here in Israel. They're gonna dismiss uh, the 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 idea of uh, three three different branches different, of government. Yeah, and they're gonna weakness our uh, Supreme Court. Right, they're gonna get rid of judicial review. Yeah. So so. But they didn't say they wanted to they, change democracy. Okay. They just said we want to change wanna, the way. The laws speak about sure. the court. Yeah, but when I, I heard that, and it wasn't even, I didn't hear that before the elections. Well, that's the thing that's that, really important, by the way. I mean, you're a pretty educated citizen. Yeah. I think I'm a fairly knowledgeable citizen. We read papers all day yeah. long. Bibi Netanyahu did not one time during the campaign say no, anything about this. Yeah, he didn't I mean, say that. So right. I was so surprised. And I said to myself, oh my God, this is you know, breaking all the rules. It's not that they're going to, you know, just do uh, work according to their ideology, right-wing, religious, okay. But they're going to break the rules. So if they're going to break the rules, what's the check and balances now? And are we going to have elections in four years or not? So how how can I believe that they're going to use, you know, the power that we, we gave them in, in the right way, because, you know, I, I see, I read history, and I know that some of the leaders who, was, who were elected through a democratic way, when they took much more power, 
they dismiss all the all the democracy or their democracy. So they they kind of. Uh, well, you, you can know, look at Erdogan. You can yeah, look at Putin. I don't you can look. Say, you know, we have no. many examples, and yeah. I know that always when I get to historic. Uh, um, or historic comparisons. Uh, comparisons so it's never going to be the same. But right, everybody says say, this is different because. But. Yeah. So, but I want to say that I was afraid of what's going to happen. And that, you know, I started feeling in my body that I'm afraid. And as you said before, I'm waking up in the morning. I don't want to read the, the news because I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Every day a new thing about this idea. And I, I, I wasn't aware that that was the agenda. So I said... Oh my God, what can I do now except of just staying in my home and closing my eyes? And uh, one of my friends sent a, set, sent a WhatsApp uh, message saying, do you want to gather in my home and think what can we do? And he's an educator. His name is Guy Schwartz. He, he was a, a head of a middle school in sabbatical and he's, and he's a friend. And he said, do you want to gather to think? And I said to myself, oh my God, another uh, evening that all of us are going to say, oh, this is terrible, what can we do? So I said, maybe. And I, I thought, I shouldn't go there. I just don't want to see myself wasting another evening talking about the terrible situation. I, and I didn't answer. And then they sent it again in my shul. And I said, I shouldn't go there. And then he called me <laughs> and he said, uh, are you coming? This is tomorrow, and we're going to gather in the Matnas. And I said, I don't know, maybe, I'll see. And then he called the day after, and he said, please come, I want you to open this, uh, this evening. And I said, okay, he, he's determined to, to gather, and uh, we start talking, what, what should be done in this kind of evening? And then I find myself thinking with him. So I said to my husband, partner, I said to him, Moti, shall we go together? And he said, okay, let's go. So we went there and we find ourselves with 50 people, which we didn't know before. Hmm. I was shocked. 50 people in, the, in an evening in the Matnas. The one right here? Right here. The one next door, next literally, door, to where here, we're sitting. Here. We're sitting in my house, but yes. right around the corner. It's right around the corner. We live in this neighborhood. So we said, okay. And I found 50 people who I didn't know before. Who also live in the neighborhood, and we never crossed paths with them. Yes, and, and they were m many ages, men and women. And I remember someone saying, I'm a, a new immigrant from Russia, hmm. and Russian people doesn't know what's going on. And a, a person sitting near to me, she said, I was a um, prosecutor uh, working, and I, I just retired. You know, many people, and, and here I was opening an evening and saying what I said, and this is, you know, something that I feel, that uh, in our country, we got to believe that you are, if you are more Jewish, you are less democratic. And if you are more democratic, you are less Jewish. That's what we've come to believe. Yes. And I feel that we need to break this. Uh, and, and I feel that we need to fight to be able to say we are really Jewish, we are very committed to Jewish life, but we are very democratic people. And we, are, we have to fight for this. So from the beginning I said, it's not only against this revolution, it's for the vision of our country as democratic and Jewish state. And we started thinking, what should we do? And then we said, 
we believe, first of all, that it's not right and left thing. It's not religious and secular people. We, we are all together in this. And how is it? What we feel is it? And then we came up for, with the name Safeguarding Our Shared Home. Shomrot v'shomrim ala bayit ha-meshutaf. Because we feel this is a shared home and we need to guard it. And, uh, and from the beginning, we said to ourselves, we are going to fight together for this. And this is our main idea. First week, we sent uh, an open invitation to a WhatsApp group. And we organized a um, way to travel to Tel Aviv, to Kaplan. We went Which to is where the big protests the in big Tel Aviv The big protests in Tel Aviv. We went with, with a bus to Tel Aviv, two buses only, from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv. We went to this big protest. We came home. Uh, Sunday, guys calling me and saying, shall we do in Jerusalem also something? I said, yes. So he started gathering people to what's This approved. is what, like December, January? January, I think it was uh, January 1st. I have okay. you know, when well, it started. Yeah, approximately yeah. then, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, right after Levine declared. Right. Right after that. Well, it had to be early in the winter if there was time after Shabbat to get on, go on a bus and yeah, get on Tel Aviv, yeah, right? Because now the, you can't do that. It was in the right. winter, of right. course. Yeah. And then we said, okay, so where should we do it? And guys started talking with people, and we, we thought it shouldn't be in Balfour, and I'll come back to that. Balfour's were Bibi's houses. Bibi's houses. Because it's not against Bibi. Right. It's against the entire idea. So we thought we need to find another symbol, uh, Israeli symbol and a state symbol. So we thought we should do it against the president's house. Because now we feel that this revolution is ruining all the Israeli symbols. So we need to be there. So we decided to go in Mutzai Shabbat to protest there. And we decided we should bring flags and uh, this is what we need to do. And um, was Friday. One of my friends get to a, a, an electric uh, shop and bought a so microphone over, system. Yeah. Amplification system. Amplification yeah. system. And I went to the shuk buying flags <laughs> and, <laughs> with a box. So someone from the shuk brought me the box. And we opened a pay box saying if people want to contribute to kind of expenses that right, paybox is like Venmo. So for people that are listening, okay. you don't know what paybox is. It's basically Israel's Venmo. Venmo. So we opened this and we said, okay. And I'm finding myself in uh, Saturday night with my kids. You know, they're not young. We went to the president's house. Someone gave me this uh, microphone, and I said, so we need to shout something. What should we shout? So we started shouting democracy, democracy, and shalosh rashoyot. The three different branches and, of government. And people started getting there. So we were so shocked that we, we kind of had a thousand people coming at that evening. And, you know, what we're shouting... there were 25,000 last Saturday night, they said, at least. Yes. I don't know if that's yeah, true. Yeah, I know, I know, I said that. But, uh, you know, we Is had, that true? Was it, was yeah, it 25? I think so. Yeah. So we had... 1,000 people coming, and we realized that people really want to come to Jerusalem protest. So I was there with a the microphone giving it to people. You know, I'm a professor of Jewish education. I don't use to shout <laughs> in the streets. And I realized that most of the shouters are men. So I was looking for women to shout as well. I was saying, do you want to shout something? And people were, it's first time. And since then, after that, we... Uh, realized that we need to create this as a huge um, movement. 
that we have something to say to the public and that we need to shout it out loud that protests aren't here to be too uh, polite. Right. It's a protest. We need to shout. So we decided that we need to bring a stage, that we need to, dis- to, to find out who's going to speak on that stage. And from the beginning, we decided that we need both men and women, religious and secular, and that we're going to bring people... And Jews and Arabs, actually. Jews and Arabs. We want to bring people from all kinds of this society, even though their percentage in the people who are coming will be different. So we, we from the beginning, looked for Arabs who are willing to talk. We brought Haredi people who are with us in this, in this protest, which their voices isn't heard. Right. We have Haredi friends who are coming to the protest and saying this is something that just creates hatred towards Haredi people who want to take part in this, in this country, who want to study core studies, who want to be part of the service. And, it, you know, what's going now on this week? I just got a message from a Haredi person who's saying, who showed a picture of one of the protesters with uh, something against the Haredim. And he said, why people are insulting us? We are part of who you are. So we brought the Haredi women. We, we really brought people from uh, Ethiopia, from Russia. We are trying to bring all kinds of people who say, the, you know, the one thing that we want to say, we need Israel to be, be democratic place. So if you are asking me, what does it mean to organize this? So it's volunteering kind of 20 hours a day. It's opening, every, all this protest is um, organized via WhatsApp groups and right. Zoom encounters. We organized, uh, we asked, we sent out a document asking people, do you want to volunteer and for what? And I was sitting in the garden here in Gidon with Guy, looking at what people answered. And, and we said to ourselves, we can't do it. You know, you can't do it by yourself. From the beginning, we got another friend. Name is Eyal Gur. And we said, okay, we, we, we will understand what does it mean to create this kind of protest, but we need lots of people to organize it. So we understand that we need someone to talk with the police police and with Magen David, with the the ambulance services. Ambulance services and to get all the insurance before. We need a person to be the the sender of all the WhatsApp um, uh, announcements. And we need to to grow our WhatsApp group so we can have a way to announce what's going to happen that we need people to work with all the other organizations who are part of this protest because we want everybody to feel part of it, that we want people to work with the students, with the youth people. We have a group of youth uh, uh, kids that are in high school. There are now 600 people in their WhatsApp group. And we work with them. And a lot of them are coming. You see them at the protest. Yeah, and when we bought them the, the drums also. Right, you bought the drums for them? Yes, okay. <laughs> of course. You know, you, you have to think, uh, and we need all this um, uh, donations because we, we, you know... It costs money. It costs money. So we created the system. We have now an accountant who is volunteering. She's really part of this uh, um, uh, protest, and she's very devoted to this protest. She's a teacher in a university and she's a CFO in a, in a firm, but she's doing all the 
accountant things and we have uh, volunteer people who are sending you know the receipts to people who are contributing and we are people who translate to English what we have to say people are uh, so it's become a very wide group of people it's that are running it's a wide group and, and we have to decide who's going to speak on the stage so we have a group that works on this because we have to work with every you know we have lots of people asking to talk oh really Lots of people. At hmm. the beginning, it was hard to find women. Oh, that's But interesting. But from the beginning, we said we need, to, we need to bring half women. This is who we are. But it was hard at the beginning to find women. Now it's not hard. But I get to see that it's easier for men to be famous. Huh. And if we want to bring famous figures, uh, we have much more men than women. But we don't care. We don't bring only famous people. And, uh, and it, we try to bring really all the voices. But, you know, many groups feel that we don't bring enough of them. So we, it's kind of yeah. a, a nice pressure of people that want to feel part of it and want to talk. So yeah. we have many people who volunteer to talk, which we have to say not yet. Yeah, two Saturday nights ago, I thought it was very moving. There were three speakers. Um, they were all women. Yes. One of them was an Arab woman. She yes. was the sister of Muhammad yes. Ahuk there, who was horribly yeah. murdered by an Arab young man who was murdered by Jews a few years ago when she read mm-hmm. a surah from the Quran. Yes. I don't know if you were there. I think you might have been out of the country. I was out of the country. It was unbelievable. We organized that. I know you did, yeah, but I'm yeah, just saying so. it was, you could have heard a pin drop. Yeah. I mean, thousands of people, and this young woman who was clearly very nervous. Yeah. I mean, she's an Arab woman. Sure. I don't know if she speaks Hebrew. It was a huge crowd of people, yeah. and... But it was so unbelievably respectful. And then a woman spoke from Iramim, and then you had Sipi Livni speak. Yes. Right? And Sipi Livni has roots in the Likud. Sure. Right? And her parents yeah. were hardcore Likud people. So you had this Arab woman, a relatively left-wing Israeli yeah. Jewish woman, and Sipi Livni, all three women. And I actually had a couple of kids from the States who were visiting us that weekend, and I brought them to the protest, and I was kind of explaining to them. And I thought it spoke volumes. You know, Arab Jews, yes. left, right, all women... It's really, it's very powerful. I want to focus But for a sec. Go ahead, I, please. I just want to say that after each of these uh, protests, we have so many reactions. People are saying, this is last time that I'm coming. You're bringing such left-wing people, so we won't come, come ever. You just ruin everything. We're going to go to Kaplan. This is what they say. And then at the beginning, we got people saying, oh, it was too religious. You're just starting to be a religious protest. We will never come again. So, you know, we got right. almost every time. Why you brought this Haredi person who spoke about that and that? So every time that we got resistance, we say to ourselves, okay, so we are doing the right thing because right. We, we really intentionally want to hear voices that we never heard as a society. We... we If there is something that I'm learning now, and I'm sorry I just interrupted you. No, that's fine. Is that, that, uh, that we have to listen much more carefully to those minorities who want to say something. And, you know, as, as the majority, you think you hear everything, that the system works for everybody, but it's not. So now we are hearing lots of minorities who are saying... Before, it wasn't right. We need to make a change. We need to, to, to do something else in the future. So if I learned something more in this protest is that we really need to listen to minorities with their own voice. I can't represent them. They need to represent themselves. Yeah. Look, I think when somebody writes you and says, whether they're left-wing and say it's too right-wing or they're secular and you say it's too religious or whatever the case may be, 
The truth is, the easiest thing for a person to do is not to write and just not to come anymore. So when somebody writes you and says, yeah. I'm never coming back, what they're saying is, I want to be able to come back and I'm sharing with you the complexity of this. I think that's actually good news when somebody writes and says, I'm not coming back because they're saying, I want to come back. And whether you agree with their critique or not is irrelevant. I want to... And, and um, also, I want to say that we, most of the time we answer. You do? Sure. We all answer those people. We get into so many discussions with people. We also have a, a WhatsApp group who is called Meeting with Safeguarding Our Shared Home, which we brought, uh, we invited um, people who are in favor of the revolution to speak with, with us. So the discussions there are really... So the people who are in favor of the reform. In favor of the reform. We, uh, you you know, want to be in touch with them also. Also. That's it's amazing. It's very important to us. And so, we're doing, you know, every week we're doing Zoom encounters yeah, wow. I've been on a couple of them. Okay, so you know that we're trying not only to get out and protest, but to learn about the affections of this revolution. So we bring every week another aspect of this revolution to women, to LGBT, to the economic, to many things. So we're trying to become a place that we not only protest, but we learn together and we speak with others. I actually didn't realize that that was um, so organized, but that's actually very interesting. Let I want to talk for, I want to cover two other things at least. One of them is you've had to make some pretty difficult decisions as part of these protests. So I'll just say, as somebody who's not involved in them except for going every week, and I was, you know, I was kibitzing with you before we started talking. The best thing about going out of Israel these days is that you can actually have a Saturday night and watch Netflix, and you don't have mm-hmm. to be feel guilt. I, I feel I would feel sure. terribly guilty if I stayed home on a Saturday night. So I'm actually looking forward to this thing over mm-hmm. just so Ellie Shev and I can just, you know, put on sweats and watch yeah. something stupid on Netflix Saturday night. But all right, that'll come back. Um, for example, when we go to the protests and we come up from the Marcus side, so there's a mini protest that we yes. see first, right? And this is the protest of people who have signs that say, um, there's no democracy with occupation. Yes. There's a couple of those signs in the main protest, but very few. Yeah. And it's very clear that this is a separate protest mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that's not by accident. No. So give us an example of how you and your colleagues are embracing people who want to be part of it. Uh, I can guess why you would prefer those be two separate protests, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So give us a little bit of a sense of the kind of calculations you and the other organizers have to make when you're dealing with people, for example, who have what's, I think, in Israel considered a fairly left-wing agenda, Mm -hmm. which is to say... There's no democracy with occupation. As long as you have an occupation, it's not democratic anyway. Okay, so I want to start by saying that part of our group also agrees with this. You know, some of us are really left-wing. Not all of us. Some of us, you know, Mm -hmm. when I say us, I I talk about the organizing group. Right. So we do have people who really uh, believe that there is no democracy with occupation. But we decided that this, uh, protest is is not about that, even though we bring people to the stage to talk about that, because we have something much more bigger in common with many, many groups. So our decision is that we are against this revolution, but we are in favor of the creating Haskamot. Uh, we have widespread, widespread agreements. agreements. So from the beginning, we encouraged the president of Israel to start to try organize the, the, these discussions and we were in favor of this. We were maybe the only 
uh, protest in Israel who said that out loud that we are in favor of the discussions. Right, these are the negotiations that were happening at the president's house yes. for a couple months, which couple fall, months. fell apart. Yes. But, yeah. okay. but, but we also believe that if it's going to, you know, this is one of the directions that the country should take. We need to, to create uh, a system for deliberation, negotiation, to broader agreements. We believe in that as a way of life for Israel. Right. So from the beginning, we said, this is what we are in favor of. This doesn't mean that all the groups shouldn't believe in what they believe and strive to, to create, you know, to affect what we have here. So from the beginning, we had this group uh, of, uh, that is protesting against the occupation, and they were very vocal. And we said, look, we want you to be part of this, and we believe that you are here because you want to be part of it. But many of our other people are not, you know, do not agree with you. So how can we create this place for you to protest, but also to have people not to feel that if they're coming here, they're part of your protest? So it, it was a long negotiation with them. We thought with them, how should we do that? They want to influence the people who are coming. But we said to them, sometimes, you know, you can influence in a good way. And some other times you may influence in, the, in a bad way. Like if you are shouting when we sing a tikva or if you're, you know, shouting out loud when someone is speaking. So maybe you want to take a part, a farther part. So there you can shout and not disturb the people who want to listen. But we really want you to be part of it. And we also you know, brought people of them to speak on the stage. But they have to understand that they are one of the groups. We have one of the groups of Tzionim Datim. Right, religious Zionists. Religious Zionists from the beginning. They wanted to be noticed as a separate group. So we said one, one day they came, they marched to our uh, protest and we said, okay, we want to welcome the group of Tzionim Datim who are marching now here. So we have various groups in, in amongst our protests and we want to welcome, uh, welcome all of them and we want to give them voice. And every time someone wants to speak on the stage, we can't give to everyone the, the, because our uh, protests are very short now in the summer. But we really try to make room for everyone. We do a lot of work behind the scenes talking. We created a WhatsApp group uh, for all the leaders of these small groups. We have every week a Zoom with them, talking to what they want, what they think. Yeah. You know, we, we are negotiating many of their uh, wishes to do things. And sometimes there isn't an agreement. It's not easy. It's like creating a coalition of people who do not agree with each other. So we try to, to be an umbrella for all these groups and to make a room for, for all of them. And it's not easy. But it's really important because we believe that this is uh, modeling what we believe should happen in, in our uh, But it's country. a model for society at large. Yes. Okay. Um, is there another kind of difficult decision you've had to make in terms of organizing these protests? Aside from, for example, what do you do with protests against the occupation so that other people will be able to come? Are there other things that people like yeah. me who are just attending wouldn't be aware of? Okay. So part of it was, what should we do at the time of the discussions at the president's home? Because people, some of our audience said, now we're not coming because we want to give a chance. And mm. we decided that we have to continue protesting because we spoke with people who were inside the house uh, and they said, we are hearing you. We need you to be out loud there. 
So that was one decision. At the beginning, we had a decision, should we sing a tikva or not? At the very beginning. And separately from, you know, the protest in all other uh, the, uh, country, we decided that we should sing a tikva. The, the discussion was because we feel, some of us feel that a tikva is an anthem, but it doesn't represent the Arab people. Right. And uh, we said, this is the anthem. Right. So we need to sing it because we want to, and, and this is one thing that I want to say, this protest reclaims back all the Israeli symbols. It's a way to say... It took say the flag back. It took Hatikva back. The yeah. president's house, the flag, the anthem. We said... It took back the idea of Zionism. Zionism. I mean, it's Zionism. claimed that we're Zionists. Yes. So so I. this is what really enthusiasts me. Right. Makes you enthusiastic. It makes, makes me enthusiastic. I'm, I'm really excited to see all of my friends, left and right, right wing, gathering and saying we are... Uh, we love this country, we are loyal to Israel, but we can't live in this way of just ruining what we, we uh, achieved so far. Okay, so I want to take this to the future and ask you like how two different branches of, of questioning here. So the first one is, you know, we're having this conversation in the middle of July. We're a few days before the Knesset vote, a little bit less than a week. Uh, before the Knesset vote about the um, the reasonability clause, I mean we're seeing. I mean the government's getting very nervous, yeah. right? I mean the the thousands of soldiers now yeah. who are saying that they're not going to serve, and the number two person, formerly number two person in eighty two hundred, yes. which is the central intelligence unit in the army, and yeah. it's an enormous unit of yes. thousands and thousands of people, which is critical, saying that he's not going to serve. Yeah. And we had on the news on Thursday or Friday. Uh, Matan Kahana, who's a former pilot, yeah. and Erez, somebody or other, I think, right, who's himself a former yes. pilot, uh, and he was explaining why he's not training anymore, and Kahana was saying why he is training still. I mean, this is getting, the army is getting sucked into this yes. in a very big way. We know that Dan Herzi Alevi, who's the yeah. chief of staff, is getting very nervous about this. Sure. Galant is getting very nervous. So this is coming to a head. Uh, none of us know where this is headed. We had Bibi in the hospital this week. Yeah. They said that he was uh, dehydrated. Everybody knew that that was not true, yeah, sure. but it took a few days for mm-hmm. it to become clear that it wasn't true. Uh, some sort of cardiac moment of some sort. Um, so four or five days before the vote, is your sense that this is going to pass or it's not going to pass? So I want to say I was so surprised by things that happened that I can't say anything about the future. Right, we all feel what that What I want to say that I'm sure that people will go out of the streets. People are not going to just... Well, they've been out on the streets, though. So they will go, they will continue coming more and more people during this week to say, you have to listen to us. It's not going to happen that, you know, you're going to do this, uh, you're going to vote for this, and we will be silent and say, okay, we accept it. What, what, you know, what do you think it's going to happen? I'm asking the government. I'm asking them, look at what's going now in the streets, in the main branches of, of the country. Do you feel that after you will vote for this, okay, everything will come back, people will keep being loyal, pay taxes and go to the army if they're watching what's going on and even if they're not watching or listening, something crucial is going on now. So now I think that since we are in a crisis that never happened in this country, even in in the biggest wars that we had, they don't have, you know, they don't have the, the soldiers to work with in this country. 
So, but so, I'm going to push back for a second, okay, and I don't know please. if I'm right or I'm wrong. I'm just sort of like yeah. just you know for the sake of okay. uh, you know a chavruta of some yes. sort. But what if I said the following thing? I personally, no, no, it's me, Danny Gores. Yes. I actually am very sympathetic to the soldiers who are saying they're not serving mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Their loyalty to the country is not in any way sure. questioned. I mean, these are the people that you know flew airplanes yes. with one engine over air. You know, yeah. airplanes, airport deaths have one engine. If that engine goes. Sure. You're in captivity. Yeah. It's just, you know. People they, who gave their, their lives. Their, li- their the lives, country. right. And we saw people at the Huff, yes. at the protest a few weeks ago, a woman holding a sign with a picture of her brother. Sure. I mean, these are people that yeah. love this country. So I'm not one of those people that questions their loyalty. They love this country. And I actually believe that if Hezbollah were to attack, whatever, these people would all show up. Sure. I don't have any question about yeah. that. But let's hope that Hezbollah doesn't show up. Yes. And let's hope in that Iran stays quiet for now and the borders stay quiet. There's a part of me that says, you know, there's, what, 25,000 people Saturday night in Jerusalem. And I was at the march last Tuesday where we marched yeah. from Chernochovsky all the way almost to the big bridge, not quite. And people, you know, a lot of people, thousands of people. I don't know how many people it was. And part of me thinks this is just becoming sort of part of the background. In other words, the government's used yeah. to it. They say, yeah, they go out to the streets. Mm-hmm. They're very polite. Yeah. They're very nice. Every now and then there's a little conflict with a policeman, but nothing terrible happens. So let them protest. What do I really care? And so part of me is wondering, is this enough? Are protests of this sort going to be enough? Or do we have to turn up the heat? And what does that look like? Yeah. So so this is the other thing that we are now, you know, have to decide as leader of this protest. What does it mean if they keep no listening, keep, keep, doesn't listen to what we do? So what does it mean to to make the heat more? Turn up the heat a little bit, yeah. What does that look like? Shall we stop paying our taxes? Shall we don't go to work for many days? Shall we, you know... Well, is the Histadrut, you think, going to strike with the main law, uh, labor union? I think that uh, what happened last time when Gallant was fired that we had the Histadrut and right. uh, the municipal mayors with us. You think that'll you know, happen again? I feel that when the big systems are going to say, you know, we can't now have the trains going, we can't have the airplanes going, we, you know, the, the country can, can't function. Someone will need to do something. But so do you think the Histadrut would join the, join the protest and strike? I don't know. I just want to hope for that. And we are going to protest this week. In front of the Histadrut offices. Of the Histadrut. And um. also, I want to say that several people from this coalition, who I thought there are logic people, who really are in favor of the entire country, and not only for to be elected next time, I can't believe, and one of them live, lives here in this, in this neighborhood, I can't believe how come they're not listening and well, not, they may not vote take... no. They may vote no on the next one. Yeah. So I, I hope and I think that we need to put much more pressure. And I want to ask them seriously, look at our eyes. This is what you want to do to our country? And I can't believe they will say yes. I really am so disappointed of several of them. Nir Barkat, Dremer. You know, how come? Gallant even. You know, they have to say no. And, and I think that what disappoints me about them and also disappoint my Haredic friends about their leaders, we feel that they're not in service of the country. They're in service of, of themselves. 
And I really hope that next time they will get punishment from their groups. For not having stood for up. For not having stood up and taking responsibility. So what we do now, we take responsibility in ways that we never dreamed that we're going to do that. We never dreamt of. I'm, I'm, you know, I spoke now with one of our speakers for next week. He's, in a, high-tech, he's a high-tech person. He, he, all the time, he's you know, in his job and we spoke to each other. We never thought that we're going to be going out to the streets. So one thing that happened to me that I'm getting to meet so many amazing people who stopped everything and just are now devoted to this protest. And this is something new that is happening to this country, which we need to use in the future. Well, that's my last question. So let's say it works. Okay. For whatever reason, the government backs down. Uh, it decides to adopt the proposal for a constituent assembly, which Professor Netabara Corbein yeah. and others are pushing forward, and it says, we're going to put it over there, or it makes some compromise, whatever. We figure out something. Um, the army convinces the government that it's too dangerous to have the army fall apart. BB's health problems become an issue. Who knows? Whatever the case may be, let's just assume that something happens and this dies down. It doesn't mean the problem has gone away. Sure. And there is a kind of, a, you're talking about it a lot, there's a kind of a, re, a reawakening of a long dormant political force in Israel, which is very heterogeneous. It's got secular and religious and Ashkenazi and Mizrahi and immigrants and natives and young and old and rich and poor. It's really a very wide movement. What happens the day after to convert this into a movement that just doesn't disband and then go back to all the normal disagreements, religious versus secular, immigrants versus natives, da 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 Is there a conversation among the leaders about what we do the morning after? Is there a conversation about how we turn this into a political movement that's got a very wide base that will not allow Israel to come back to this space? There are lots of discussions. We, you know, it's, it's weird because we are running from week to week. And this week, you know, I'm speaking to you one hour. I will tell you later how many WhatsApp uh, uh, messages I have about what's going to happen today, tomorrow, and, and in Mutsay Shabbat. Right. So we are running about th- this protest. But also, from time to time, we think strategically. What's the next, you know, medium and long-term goals of what we do? And I want to say we have, in November, municipal elections. So we are thinking about our influence on those elections in ways that, you know, we never thought before. Mm-hmm. Because we need to connect the ability to influence what's going on in, in the public sphere to what now we see is our responsibility. So I believe, first of all, that people are not, not going to stay out of this from now, because people understand that if they don't go to vote, if they don't protest, nothing will happen. And even though the rude, the, the aggressive people will do what they want to do. So one thing is that it educates all of us to be loud and clear about what we believe and take responsibility. And I hope much more people will join the ones who are active in this. Right. But when you come to the, you know, when you come back to politics and you come back to elections, You need a choice other than merits and the old labor. So we are working behind the scenes about that and we are considering what should we do and how to influence to the choices that specifically in Jerusalem we're going to have. 
So this is one... So it's know, on the agenda. It's on the agenda. It's a midterm uh, goal. We have to now finish this round and then in August we will have to think about that. So this is one direction. The other one is education. Many of us, the protest leaders, are educators. This is the way we think. And education is a long-term uh, running. Right, so long I, I'm feeling that if until now, as I said at the beginning, I was dealing with pluralism in Jewish education and what should we do, now I have to tie it much more the, the Jewish part with the democratic part. And I have to deal much more deeply with the tensions, with the liberal ideas to the, to the traditional way of life and beliefs. I have to deal much more with this, both in my research, but also in the way I train educational leaders. So this is something that I'm thinking, not that I have much time to no. think, but if, if I have to learn something, something so this is what i have to learn and are also, you hearing from anybody in the ministry of education about the importance of injecting these ideas into the high school curriculum unfortunately the ministry of education is so influenced of political streams yeah but he doesn't control the rank and file people in the office I mean, they could still be talking among themselves about how there's a need to put curriculum in yeah people can talk but where does all the resources you know, where, where do they come? So we need to get rid, we need to change we the Ministry of Education. We need to change, you know, we need to be, be able to influence the, the way Ministry of Education works with the system. And now we have this uh, Avi Maoz idea that he can control all the groups that influence and get the private groups that influence schools against LGBT and many liberal ideas. And all the time when I work with the Ministry of Education, I fight against these kind of, of uh, private groups who want to influence and work instead of the teachers, because I do believe in teachers and I do believe in the system. But I think we have to give the teachers much more room to dream, to bring their values, to become leaders in their own schools. And I believe they can do it. We, you know, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be so politically dictated and people need to, to be able to lead according to their sets of beliefs. So we have several systems of education here. I, I think we should enable them to do ideologic work and to think uh, further how to, you know, how to educate the next generation to be active, to be democratic, to be Jewish, and to combine among, among these ideas. It's fascinating. There's a ton more we could talk about, but I, uh, I just think it's really important for people that listen regularly to this podcast to hear the voice of an actual human being mm -hmm. behind the mass movement. You know, you see here 180,000 people were at Kaplan and 25,000 were in Jerusalem, which is great, uh, but there's, there's human beings, there's women and there's men actually giving huge parts of their lives to making this happen and who are also thinking about very critical strategic issues about how the protest movement should be conducted and then how the protest movement should morph itself afterwards into political power to make sure that Israel doesn't come back to this place if we save ourselves from it this time around. So I, I know you're crazy busy and you just got back from abroad and you have a ton to do. So I'm really very grateful that you took the time to uh, this morning to share with the listeners a little bit of what you're dealing with. And I uh, wish you uh, success in everything that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if not before, I'll see you at the protest Saturday yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much to the Alba. 
You've been listening to Israel from the Inside. Go to danielgordas.substack.com where you can hear more of these episodes. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to explore, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Daniel Gordas.